looking for the perfect plant-powered Christmas gift? Why not just go back to the original, the very first Christmas gifts? And they say Christmas is not about the presents. St. Matthew seemed to have missed that memo. Hey there, plant fans, and welcome back to Plant Stories. I'm Chantelles, and today's plant power topic might make you think twice about the oldest Christmas story you know, the nativity story. Even if you're not a Christian or a gift giver, don't worry, I stay on brand with this podcast with plants, skincare, and history, because you know I love when plants and history collide. All right, let's recap real quick. You got this young girl, Mary, and her fiance, Joseph. They were going to get married, but then, plot twist, Mary gets pregnant. By God! And that little fact is just totally glossed over in the book. Luke really needed a more in-depth exposition on the Immaculate Conception detail. He would never get that book published by today's standards. Anyways, so she's prego and God tells Joseph, it's all good, you don't need to diss her. So now they're officially a couple with a baby on the way. A baby from God, which apparently has been prophesized about for a long time. Therefore, other smarty pants people, you know, the ones that can read, who are living in the surrounding area are on the lookout for this God baby. It gets a little tricky here in the book because this book has multiple authors with different versions of event. This book would be like a mashup of The View and People Magazine archives of Jesus, part gossip, part salacious stories that may or may not be true and have plenty of judgment. Anyways, back to the story for reasons which are not historically feasible yet, are an integral part of this legend. Mary and Joseph happen to be on the road at the time Jesus is delivered. Of course, that little detail adds a whole lot of drama and allure to the story. If you haven't read this book, spoiler, the kid was born in a barn. Huh, the audacity, the son of God born in a barn? Many would say that was God's plan because he would be a humble son of God. Okay, that's not even my point of the story. Now we're getting to the good part. Today's version of Christmas success is... Presents! And good presents, the more expensive the better. Or wait, maybe it's supposed to be a little more thoughtful the better. Hmm. Okay, one of the authors, Matthew, wrote his version of Jesus' birth story many years later. Well, he's the one that said Jesus had some very special visitors after his birth. He was light on the details of how he was privy to that information, because Matthew was not on the road with Mary and Joseph when Jesus was born. He didn't even meet Jesus for another 30 years. Maybe he interviewed Mary or Joseph later. Anyways, but those details don't matter at this point of my plant power topic. In fact, for my reasons, these visitors are besides the point. It's their presence that matter. It's just even the idea of their presence. For all I care, Matthew could have made up the whole thing about the visitors, as long as he still mentioned Jesus getting presents. Matthew tries to give some street cred to those supposed visitors by mentioning their title, the Magi but that's as far as he goes for character development. Again, light on the details about these gift givers. I mean, I've really had it up to here with Matthew and his vague recollection of events. He was a terrible investigative journalist. I mean, how did they learn about the special star? How long have they been traveling? Dear Lord, what if they've been followed by nefarious actors? So many unanswered questions, Matthew. 
The only backstory that we get about the visitors, like I said earlier, is their social title, the Magi. And depending on translation or historical point of views, these gift givers were between 3 and 12 in number. They could have been kings, scholars, astronomers, priests, or perhaps on their way to becoming heretics of their time if they believed in this god-human. Anyways, it was probably a combination of all of those options. And again, light on the details, Matthew. He says that they came from the East. And this is plant power important information we need. Because if we take Luke and Matthew's word for it, anyone traveling from the East would have come from the Arabian Peninsula or surrounding areas. Tuck that little nugget of information away for a bit. So this group of bros brings Jesus three presents. You've probably heard of them, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Hmm, sounds kind of underwhelming for those dudes that brought the plants when their other buddy brought freaking gold. I know, which of these guys I'd be writing a thank you card to. Thanks for the gold this year, Uncle Bob. <laughs> Can you imagine going to a baby shower and two of your friends walk in with a houseplant? Then the third guy brings mom a bar of gold? <laughs> well, clearly gold is awesome because, well, it's gold. But it turns out frankincense and myrrh would have been equally as impressive in those days. Yep, they might have been even more valuable than gold. First up, let's start with frankincense. Back in those days, it was very popular. All the rich people had it, and it was super hard to get because frankincense dealers had to tap the resin from Boswellia trees gently, then dry it out and turn it into product. Boswellia trees are small, gangly-looking trees, something Dr. Seuss would have probably dreamt of. They only grew on the Arabian Peninsula and often in very rugged, arid locations. And they were finicky little trees. Drain them too much and they will die. They could not be farmed. In fact, their harvesters took their location and shrouded them in secrecy. Frankincense merchants would spin crazy tales of demons and monsters that would protect the tree. Really just to protect their supply from the next guy. But why go through all this trouble for frankincense? If they were just going to burn it for incense, right? Wrong! Frankincense was super useful, like ancient duct tape. Not only can they mix it with flour and mend leaky clay pots, the bark was great for dyeing clothes, and the list just really goes on. First of all, most herbalists would agree, they probably brought it to Mary for postpartum wound healing. Frankincense was often mixed into a paste with water or honey or even beef fat, and then slathered onto a wound or the vaginal area after birth. There, it would be used as anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, and increased cellular turnover rates to heal the wound quickly. Way to go for plant power. <laughs> and now, myrrh. Um, you guys should really consider the gift of giving someone you love myrrh. Just kidding. Not so much today, but back then, it was the stuff, people. Myrrh has been documented in pharmaceutical recipes for pain that goes far back as 2,500 years before Jesus on some clay tablets. Pretty cool. Also, those ancient Egyptians, they loved it too. You know, of course, they were way ahead of their time. It was often mixed into these pastes for wound healing for its pain relief. Guess what, folks? Science now knows that myrrh can activate the same opioid receptors that morphine and opium do. Yep, I bet Mary could have used some of that after squeezing out Jesus. Sure, myrrh was also a super popular ingredient in death ceremonies and embalming, and many people say the gift was representative of Jesus' eventual death. 
but I find that far-reaching. I think these dudes who traveled for months, no doubt, just to give Jesus a symbolic gift is far-fetched. Yeah, I said traveled for months because just like frankincense, myrrh also comes from the same region of the world. It was difficult to produce, dry, and bring to market, making a very valuable plant power product as well. While opium was being used in India for pain relief at the time of Jesus' birth, myrrh would have been all this region had for real pharmaceutical relief. And it was far away. These people had to travel for months to get from the Arabian Peninsula all the way to Jerusalem. All three gifts would have been way outside of the purchasing power of Joseph, the carpenter. Plus, if you believe Matthew, Joseph had just traveled to pay his taxes. So of course he couldn't afford to go Christmas shopping for baby Jesus. <laughs> sure, some scholars only point to the ritual of these plants that are for marked occasions such as birth and they brought them out for the use of incense in a more ritualistic manner. But again, even if that's true, it's all about how you look at it. Just like today, when we humans find a plant we really like, we often try to get it into our body by many routes, topical, ingesting, even inhaling it. Just look at the way we consume cannabis. Mm -hmm. So frankincense and myrrh would have no doubt be burned as well, hoping that its healing powers would somehow waft through their nostrils and provide health and vitality the way it does when it's applied topically. The ancient historical demand and use of frankincense and myrrh before and after the time of Jesus is quite extensively documented. No wonder Matthew wanted to write about them. But what about today? And what about for skincare? Okay, real quick because we're running out of time. I love formulating with frankincense. It's still a pretty royal ingredient and its anti-inflammatory and cellular renewal properties are well documented. In fact, it's so powerful at stimulating skin cells, there's studies that have shown that people who apply topical frankincense oil to their faces will break down their Botox treatments faster, on average of three to four weeks faster, needing reapplication of Botox sooner, just because of frankincense. <laughs> For some reason, I just think that's so funny. This action is just hilarious. Maybe because I don't use Botox. This process is officially called tissue remodeling and the mechanism for how frankincense accomplishes this is detailed in a study that I'll link to this episode. Myrrh, well, so much to say about myrrh. To start, there's a super cool article by chemistry.com. I've also, will attach it to the description below. Uh, if you want some leisure reading. <laughs> but for the skin, Myrrh has some tricks up her sleeve. First of all, she reduces itching in the skin by direct chemical communication with our skin's immune system, decreasing the itch response. Second, she reduces blemishes on the skin because it's a singlet oxygen quencher that limits photooxidation of lipids. <laughs> I know, it's fancy for saying that your skin won't turn brown uh, because of the sun. What I like the most about reading about this blemish thing is that the author wrote in their discussion, quote, Myrrh has more secrets yet to reveal, and it's a specimen that should be used widely today. I couldn't agree more. Oh, so there you have it. If you are inspired by the Magi and their Christmas presents, but don't know where you can find some of this plant power to gift this year, not to fear, head over to my website, tracekikis.com. That's T-R-E-S. K-E-I-K-I-S dot com, and you will find my fabulous Camellia Luxury Oil that contains plenty of frankincense 
and the isolated terpenes found in myrrh, packing an anti-inflammatory and cellular renewal punch. Just what your skin needs while it's settling into a good night's sleep. Maybe though, side note, not a good gift if the person uses Botox, you know, like I said before. Okay, there you have it. Don't forget to add me to your library because our next podcast is going to be super special. It entails a plant power surprise present just in time for Christmas. Take care. Bye for now.